Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Frame and Sequence podcast. In this episode, I sit down with Provence-based photographer Jamie Beck. Jamie Beck took her first photograph at the age of 13 and soon after began earning her living as a professional photographer. By 28, she opened her own commercial photographic studio in Lower Manhattan. Jamie has shot campaigns and editorials for some of the world's most famous brands, including Chanel, Donna Karan, Nike, Oscar de la Renta, Google, Samsung, and Microsoft. Her work has also appeared under the mastheads of Vogue and Harper's Bazaar on Netflix and in digital displays for Disney. She has been commissioned by luxury brands such as Cartier and Volvo and has twice been named by Adweek magazine as one of the industry's top 100 creatives. With her camera never leaving her side, Jamie has spent almost 25 years traveling the world, one photographic frame at a time. In 2016, she took what was to be a one-year sabbatical to create a personal body of work in the south of France, which changed the entire course of her life one that blossomed into a career as an art photographer and delivered her a French-born baby girl named Eloise. Jamie lives in Provence with her husband Kevin and her daughter Eloise. I've admired Jamie's photography for a very long time and have always been inspired by her creativity and approach to life, not to mention her prolific output of work. Last fall, I had the opportunity to spend a glorious fall day in Provence with Jamie, and she was kind enough to share with me a glimpse into her creative life. She invited me to her studio where we opened some champagne and talked all things photography. In this episode, we talk about her early start in photography, her early days in New York City as a fashion photographer, and running her own photo studio, her move to Provence, her approach to her personal work and creative life, her life in the south of France now, and much, much more. This conversation really inspired me to dig deeper into my own creative work, and I hope you enjoy. The light's going to be very nice in here. See, I track, it's my obsession, I track the light. See how high it is up now? Oh, yeah. And it will disappear in, I don't know, every 30 minutes. And then the light is... <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Well, cheers. Cheers. Hey, Jamie. Welcome to the studio. <laughs> Thank you. It's incredible to be in your studio in Provence. It's like kismet. It's all finally happening for us. Yeah. Long time coming. Mm-hmm. Take a sip of champagne here. No, this is incredible to uh, finally experience your studio and see the light in it as we sit here the late afternoon as it's streaming in. So this is how it works. Well, you say, when you came in, you saw it was still set up for my last still life. So marble tables against the wall. And this is about the time of day when I'm like kind of in a state of panic, a calm panic. You know, where like the boat is smooth on top, but below all the inner workings are like panicking. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I know when that light falls off the wall, I have, that's the moment I have to shoot. Because I have a 30 minute window of when that light is perfect. Mm. And so it has to be built up to that time. But I can't do it too early because then the things start, die, flowers start dying and wilting and falling over. And I actually had sets like fall apart in front of me. And I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> so it's just like this tech, it's like it's really fine balance and dance with the light that I have. Yeah. So this is the moment of time of day where it's kind of like everything's sort of coming together and it's nice. real. So you're in a very special time of day to be here no, it's, for it's... me. It's like spiritual. Yeah, it's incredibly beautiful, for sure. (laughs) The late autumn light streaming through. How did you end up getting into photography in the first place? (laughs) So, my mother had an old 35mm camera, which I just showed you. And she, I don't know, maybe I was being annoying or something So as a kid. And she was like, here, look at this old camera. And when I put, I can still remember the first moment I put my eye through the viewfinder, it was as if the whole entire world came alive. Mm. I can just, I can still see the reflection of the glass. And it took hold of my soul at that very moment. And I like, the, my whole journey changed. Yeah. And I went and got a roll of film. 
I gave my best friend a whole like hair makeup session <laughs> and a ball gown from a Goodwill, like Amazing. a thrift store. And we went in the backyard and I shot her. I rode my bike to Walgreens, one hour processing, got the film back, like waited for the hour, got the <laughs> film back and I was 13. And I got it and I was like, oh my God, this is so Vogue. And that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna shoot for Vogue. Amazing. And that's what I spent my life like trajectory on from that moment. Yeah, and how old were you? 13. 13, just yeah. like that. Wow, incredible. Yeah. And then did you know you wanted to go to school for it or at that point were you Immediately, just, yeah. immediately. From the first moment, it was just like love. I have, you know, you have the great loves of your life. Mm -hmm. Photography, France. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Here I am. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. like what I do every day. Yeah, the two combined. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Um, and then so where did you go to school for photography? I went to the Fashion Institute of Technology. Oh. So I went to be a fashion photographer. I love fashion. I still love fashion. You know, you saw my costume wardrobe. Uh, I think it's, uh, I like to create and I like to create stories and it's part of storytelling, like yeah. theater and movies and everything like that. So I wanted to do commercial photography, so I wanted to go into fashion and they have the best program for that. Mm -hmm. And my parents wanted me to be able to get a job and they have a really good like job placement thing. I was like, like, don't send your kid to art school, send them to this school because they'll actually work when they graduate. Uh, and when I went to school, it was all film and dark room and I graduated into a digital world. So it was all kind of useless. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you had the, I feel like learning actual film photography is essential that maybe somebody who learns on purely digital doesn't quite have the nuances of how certain things work. Well, there's an importance to a single image. There's a cost to a single image you show on film and you really have to stop and think about it. And I definitely apply that in how I work now. You know, when I download my images for the day, there are maybe 13 shots on it, mm. less than the roll of film. Yeah. Because I build, I spend hours building up to the one image and right. I don't take that image until it's ready. Right. So that's a very like film process. Yeah. And it was in college where I learned how to shoot medium format and large format film. And the process that I do now is very similar to shooting large format film. Mm. You, know, you have to, you have to know what you're doing. You right. have to take the time. You have to slow down. You have to construct the frame and then technically build it. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have uh, any specific mentors that stand out in your mind or anything you learned early on that you still sort of use other than like basics or ways of thinking about photography? I had an amazing high school photography teacher. Mm. And I think that those first impressions, when you find something that you love, those people who are your first guides, I think he, he was like a great fertilizer for a garden. You know what I mean? Like you gotta make the soil nice for something to grow nice, right? right? And I was so green, I didn't know anything. You know, like my dad worked in a prison and my mom's an accountant. Like this is wow. not their world at all. So I knew nothing, right? And he showed me Irving Penn. And I was like, wow, I can still remember the first time I saw an Irving Penn book. And I was just like, this is incredible. Henri Cartier-Bresson, the decisive moment. Like he taught me the fundamentals of photography when I was 16, 17, 18 years old. And it shaped my entire life. Wow. Yeah. So that's huge over, I think, like anything bigger or famous, you know, just a real, human connection of guidance yeah you know i can see that you're passionate about this and let me just show you some things you know yeah absolutely completely did you have any of those sort of masters that really stuck with you like an irving penn for example or like were there any masters you were looking at specifically saying you wanted to go in that direction i mean irving penn is like the tops for me yeah same here i mean 
you know, I got to go to his studio after he died. Well, I got actually got to go to his studio and meet him. Okay. <laughs> let me just story time. Yeah, let me just geek out for a minute. So I'm in college and I'm obsessed with Irving Penn and I go to the photo store and the woman in front of me is like, uh, send us to Irving Penn's studio. And I was like, hi, who are you? And I'm from Texas, so I'm just like, I talk to anybody, right? right. So she's like, send us to Irving Penn's studio. And I'm like, hi, what, like, what do you do? And she's like, I'm Irving Penn's studio assistant. And I was like, he's like, he's like my idol. Oh my God. And I said, can I come and like work for free? Can I be an intern or anything? She's like, no, like, like they're all set up. And she, and he was also when, probably 90 or something at that yeah. point. And she said, but you can come by and you can meet him. And I was like, what? I mean, I like, <laughs> I, got, I like dressed, I did my hair and makeup. You're like a Southern girl. I was like, I'm going to like going to church. Right. Yeah. So I show up and he was just so sweet. And I sat in his studio and he came out and he met me and he looked at my portfolio and, and we had a conversation for a little bit and oh my God. it was just like this really beautiful kind of floaty moment and I <laughs> left and the second the elevator doors closed, I just started crying. It was just kind of, it was so, to have an like someone that I just admired so much and like I, my knowledge is so small, I know it's so small, I'm trying so hard to yeah. like understand to understand the art that he's mastered to like sit there with the master when I know I'm not even close to anywhere in that universe. So it was just incredible. Oh, that is incredible. So when he died, um, they turned his studio into like one that you could rent actually for commercial shoots. Oh, wow. At that point I had my own studio in New York and the guy invited me to come up and like go into his studio and wanted to know if I wanted to do a project there, which of course I, I would love to, but the timing didn't work out and stuff, but I was just kind of like standing there and I don't know. It's just, it's interesting spaces, Spaces are special because of the energy of the life yeah, that's in it, right? Absolutely. Like this room that we're in, like it feels like my soul because my soul is in it. Absolutely. But when I leave here, if I ever leave here, like is it going to have the same resonance? I don't know. Anyways, I don't know where this is going. But. No, I do, I do think that a space can really bring to life, you know, something in somebody. Somebody sees one space and doesn't do anything for them. Obviously, you walked in here and knew. Oh, I love this it. This was a space for you, yeah. 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 Wow. It, really, it really feels like my, my soul and building form. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, am I going to be like an old lady dying alone in this building? Oh, my God. <laughs> so you finished school and yeah. you know you want to do fashion. What was sort of your leap into the industry as a working photographer? Uh, so I assisted for some fashion photographers. Uh, it was at that time very difficult for a woman to be an assistant because it's like, yeah. Men, I mean, and, and they were straight up with me. It's like, I feel weird about you carrying my equipment because I feel like I should open the door for you. And I'm like a very girly girl, too. <laughs> I mean, I can, like, I'm physical. I can lift stuff. I'm strong. It's not that. It's just, it's just that it's a normal relationship, male-female relationship. So working for all these men fashion photographers was just a bit strange for all of us. Yeah. And I didn't mind the schlepping. And, like, and, I, and I did it for a few years. And we go on location and stuff. And it's just, it just wasn't a really a right fit for how I should be spending my time yeah. and it was strange for the people who were hiring me to. So then I started working in photography departments and magazines, mm. <laughs> which was worse <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not an office. I don't like being on time for anything is impossible for me and being structured is impossible for me. And yeah. so the whole thing was like not great, right. but it was a job. I needed to make money. Yeah. So I did that. And then, um, any, any notable publication or for I mean I worked in Condé Nast mm. I mean I didn't work for Vogue or anything like that yeah but like were you working with any sort of photo editors at that yeah, I was working, yeah yeah I was just photo editor assistant yeah. so I was doing 
photo researcher, re- researching jobs and producing shoots and okay. archiving stuff. And I yeah. really didn't pay attention because right. it's not, if it wasn't shooting, I really wasn't that interested <laughs> in it. You yeah. know, it's just how to like, I can stay, make money so I can stay in New York. And I lived in a tiny like studio, like the kitchen is small than a desk, yeah. you know, like efficiency apartment on the Upper East Side that it's just disgusting and but I was in New York I was doing it right you're doing you know? it I was doing it do you remember your first big uh, gig that was like exactly what you wanted to be doing well years after that uh, Kevin who my creative partner business partner husband and baby daddy mm-hmm. <laughs> he and I were together before all of that uh, he and I were together and we created something called Cinemagraph, which is a living photograph, right. which is a hybrid of, so basically kind of did the New York hustle when you're young, where you take any job and I just wanted to shoot. I just, I was done assisting. I was done working at magazines. I just wanted to shoot. That's what my passion was. So, uh, I was just taking any job I could. I was reaching out to any magazine. I was like, I'll work for free, I worked for free for two years oh, in wow. New York city. Like I took everything, anyone I could photograph, any, this is when blogs were very new. So I would reach out and be like, can I shoot content for your blog? Like I just, I lived very poor and I just worked really hard. Yeah. And Kevin was like, you know, you have this whole archive of film in the closet. Like, why don't you start a Tumblr and put your film on there just for fun? Tumblr was very new. And I said, okay. So I started doing that and like, there's like no captions or anything. And he's like, let's go to Tumblr meetups. So I started meeting all these like young people, people I'm still friends with this to this day. Oh wow. Yeah. And, and they were all building like a dinner with David Karp who started Tumblr. It was just all so small and quaint and it became right. so much bigger. It's like crazy. Right. And, um, they did a Tumblr fashion week. They hired a fashion director and they were like, well, why don't you do Tumblr fashion week with us? And we don't know what it is. And, take pictures. And I was like, okay. So I went and I just, sh- I shot everything. Like I slept like, if, like I fell asleep in the shower one night. It was just like, I'd go, I shoot all day long. I edit all night long. I'd post, 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 wow. post. And then Kevin said, why don't, why don't we like, he's playing, he's digital animator basically. He's like playing with this idea of a living photograph. And he was like, you know, why don't you shoot? Why don't we try to capture a moment in time? So shoot something that's still enough that you can also shoot video. Mm. So I was like, okay. So I'm at a fashion presentation and there's two fashion models on a couch and one's just kind of bored playing with the tendrils of her dress. I was like, great, they're stationary. So took a picture of them, shot, I don't know, a 20 second video and brought it back to him. And he's like, okay. And so he animated the photograph with the movement. Wow. And we posted as a GIF on Tumblr and I walked downstairs and everyone was like, what was that? And I'm like, (laughs) A living moment <laughs> and they were like <laughs> you know and it just from that moment my entire life changed because people were like do that thing and then i became during fashion they're like she's here do that thing like make this alive oh wow so i started capturing these like living moments which is actually a lot a lot more complicated and scary than it sounds it's like because something has to loop naturally right so you have to go fi- if you're not controlling it you're just shooting at reportage it has to loop naturally and we ended up like shot Anna Winter, watching Donna Karen show, we shot <laughs> Grace Connington, we shot, I just like went fucking nuts, right? Yeah. Like everything I could find, I was shooting it, right? And then we started shooting New York City, and I would just go out and I started shooting stuff around New York, and it grew and it grew and it grew, this whole thing, and um, it, my career changed in that moment, and I had this great management agency and stuff, and the biggest, the first big job was, I worked for Tiffany & Co, and they said, oh, wow. do that moving thing for us. <laughs> oh, amazing. And that was, uh, that was, uh, 
take a big gulp, you know? And yeah. I was like, you know, if you're not, if you're not afraid, you should always be like challenging yourself. And if you're not afraid sometimes to show up and do your job, yeah. you should probably find something that scares you a little bit. Yeah. And make sure you also keep you alive. And that was a bit terrifying. And then we had about 10 years of like terrifying jobs and clients <laughs> and like just the big all, always yeah. just, it's just always kind of like kept going, going on. And, and I'm glad I did it because now I know I don't want to do it. But I met a lot of amazing people and I learned so much and I got to see so much of the world. And yeah. um, I also know what I'm capable of. I get tested that. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a big thing. And is that when you, you open your own studio then in New York when that start, started? Yeah, after, after about a year after we started creating cinemographs, we needed space because we're shooting, you know, we got the red Epic camera. Mm -hmm. we, started, we started getting equipment. We had to have lights to control. Because we started creating, creating cinemagraphs, not just going out and finding cinemagraphs. So we had clients that needed products to be shot, to be animated, and we needed space for all this stuff coming and going and the lighting equipment. So we got a studio in downtown Manhattan to do that. We had an employee and wow. we did that whole thing, yeah, which is very like, different from this whole thing. But I feel like that's the whole New York photography thing come full circle. It's like... I think every photographer dreams of having a, a studio space and until York. you have it yeah right and then you're like you realize that you're working to pay for all of it yeah instead of right. like we we could never just go on a vacation or the right. wheels always going right just because you step away doesn't mean you know you just have to pay the bills and yeah. pay the employees and well getting back to the the tumblr thing a little bit i feel like you were one of the first to really jump on the blog and instagram thing as well and develop this following you know, sort of when Instagram was sort of finding its its legs, was that a conscious choice that you... No. Okay. I had no idea when Instagram started it that it would be what it is today. Yeah. And I wish I were one of those people that could look into a crystal ball. Kevin's really good at this. Uh, look into a crystal ball and see where it's going. And I'm not. And if I had not met Kevin, I would probably still be shooting film. Like, <laughs> I don't even know where I would live at this point, but I'd just be just totally out of touch with reality. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's really pushed me. He's like, you got to you know, to the Tumblr, start the Instagram. Like, I don't know about me. Like, right now he's buying NFTs. And I'm like, what? I have no idea what any of this is, right? Yeah. So he's, he's always kind of keeping it going forward. And at eventually, at a certain point, I realized the power of Instagram. It's, it's, it's just, at a certain point, I've had great luck with press and being featured in places. Yeah. Famous places. And... Nothing is more powerful than when someone on Instagram with a following talks about it. Right. You know, and it changed for me. And I, res I really respect the power of that communication and the people who, who take the time to engage in it and curate it. And I've learned so much and I, I would not know you. Right, that's true, yeah. Like I've, I've traveled to certain places, I've met certain people, I've read certain books. Like my life has expanded because of it. Yeah. More so than you know, typical old-fashioned old outlets, really. Yeah. So I really respect it. And I had no idea when I started that it would become that powerful, uh, you know. Yeah. And probably the same with TikTok. <laughs> Everyone's telling me, you have to start TikTok. And I'm like, I'm too old. Please don't make me. <laughs> but I mean, you, you've been pretty prolific in terms of like being able to just put things out on a regular basis in a very vulnerable way, which I'm always envious of because I am not good at being vulnerable. That didn't happen until I moved to France, though. Okay. Yeah, because... You know, when you're in New York and you're working for client, like big high-end clients, everything, you have to be so careful right, about that's what true, you yeah. say and what you do and who you are. 
everyone's watching, right? And you don't want to lose a job because right. you post a nude. So when you leave your life in New York and you come to France and you know you, I literally took a match and like lit my life on fire. Because <laughs> I woke up one day, it's like I had great clients, I had a great apartment, I had everything right you dream of, and I'm like, is this it? Is this it? And I'm like, why am I not happy? I don't understand. And I really feel like I actually wasn't alive. Mm. And I was like so busy all the time. My days were so full, but I was not alive at all. Right. So I just lit a match to that life and it's like, let's just do something else, right? Amazing. And, and then I became free. And when you're not afraid of pleasing a client or what someone thinks about you, you can experiment, which is what I started doing here. And it was not without, not without, uh, um, you know, there's, there's a friction mm -hmm. when you do that switch and people said some nasty things that were very hurtful. Oh, that's yeah. Cool. And I knew I was alive and that I was being honest with myself. Right. Right. It's not easy to be vulnerable. Definitely not right. easy. So I was like, you know what? This is interesting to me. And all this surface stuff that's safe that I've been living on is really not that interesting to me. Mm. And I need to go, I need to go here where I don't feel so comfortable yeah. and it makes other people feel uncomfortable. But like, I can't be responsible for them. I have to be responsible for me and I have to see where this goes. So I, d I went that direction and uh, it's kind of led me places I never thought I could go. Amazing. And really, really discovered. Uh, it's like a, I dug a buried treasure out <laughs> of my chest. You right. know, it's like, wow, I'm made of this. I'm not just this. Like, I'm made of this really deep, yeah. this really deep core. I can see, I can see things that I think most people don't. I don't wreck those. It's just simple things, but I, I can just see things that are in front of us all the time right. that people don't stop and appreciate. And I, I can, I can t I have the power to show people that, like how beautiful and how lucky we are that we have this beautiful food to eat. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful light. It's, you know, it's just simple things that we have access to. It's not the most expensive car, the best lips. You right. know, like <laughs> it's like uh, we're alive. Like our skin is beautiful. Everyone's so beautiful. Just, Completely how we are yeah yeah and what was why Provence why where we're sitting well, right now so I did a job for SCAD and they brought me down to Lacoste which is 15 minutes from where we are right now mm -hmm. and it's an art school yeah uh, based in Savannah Georgia that has a campus here and they do fashion and photography so I came down for a week and I shot for them and I woke up every morning sunrise with this view over the valley of lavender fields and sunflower fields and vineyards. Pretty idyllic. Total, total dream, right? And it just, and you're staying in this, this, this village built by Romans and it has all these just thousands of years of history. And there's a stillness to it though. And it just, the light, everything just got into my soul and mm -hmm. I couldn't shake. I was like literally haunted by this place. And I think part, I think I'm, I don't know if, former lives. I'm, this is where I'm from. I'm just coming home. So that's how it feels because now I don't want to leave it. As someone who used to only want to ever travel the world, I found where I belong and now I don't I'm like, why would I go anywhere? Right. <laughs> so I couldn't shake it. I came back for a job for Chanel. I was shooting some roses for them for the uh, rose month of May, wow. which is a big thing in Provence in grass where they make all the perfumes. Oh, yeah. And I took like three hours from here. Provence is actually pretty big. It goes from the, the Rome to Italy. 
and it's about three to four hour drive. And I came back to this place because I wanted, I was like, I just, like, I was just so captured by it and the light and I loved it. And I just, it just really literally haunted me. And I was doing a job. I was in Sweden on a job with Volvo and on the flight home. There was turbulence and I was like, the plane's going to crash. I don't like flying, so I'm very dramatic. And I'm like, we're going to die. Basically, it's happening on the airplane, like, we're going to die. Yeah. And uh, I thought this was the end. Like, I remember I pushed my hand on the seat in front of me, and I closed my eyes. And the thought that came into my mind was, great, now I'm never going to know what it's like to live in France. And I thought, if that's what I think, not I'm never going to see my parents, I'm never going to have a kid, <laughs> like, all this stuff. I was like, I should probably go do that. And I made a promise to myself that the plane landed, I'll move to France. And it did. And a month later, I had a visa. And here <laughs> I am. <laughs> and, wow. then, and, you know, it's supposed to be like a year sabbatical. Moved to L.A. after, like, continue the commercial job situation and try to have a bit of more of a normal life than what Manhattan life was. Uh, and I never made it to L.A. Amazing. My stuff is still in L.A. storage, <laughs> but I did, I'm not. <laughs> and you've been here, what, five years now? Five years. Gosh, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of scrolling back through your Instagram feed a bit and looking at some of your work, and I noticed there's a pretty dramatic shift pretty pretty quickly between your New York work and then your Provence work. Was that a conscious choice, or was that influenced by being here? I think it's influenced by being here because I walk out my door, and I'm not there's not an onslaught of advertising and fashion, and people aren't telling me like, come to this gym to work out, buy this beauty product. Here goes a beautiful woman in whatever designer, yeah. you know, like in New York, it's just, it's always, you just always see what you don't have. If only you had that car, that apartment, that purse, like it's just constant, right? Completely. Or you can get into this restaurant, you can't get in this restaurant, it's just this whole thing, it's always, and I work out here and it's not that. Yeah. It's just a little community where the guy bakes the bread <laughs> and the other guy sells the meat and the other guy sells the fruit and it's just wonderful and charming and there's no, there's no flashiness, there's no... Uh, keeping up with the Joneses. So you strip your life of have and have not, then what is there? Right. Well, there's your day. There's what comes to the market. You know, like my entertainment started being what's happening in life. What's life? You know? Yeah. Whereas I remember I walked out to the my first vineyard. Uh, I, I didn't have a car for the first three years living here. So I can only get where I went by walking until my landlords let me use their bike and then I could bike places. And I walked, I wanted to go to a vineyard because I saw a guy with a tractor driving through town during <laughs> harvest with a bed full of grapes. And I was like, I want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> so I just walked until I walked into a vineyard and I, I cut some vines to bring back here and I made a still life. And I was like, wow, that was like, that was amazing. Yeah. You know, I was like, I, I'm like part of this day. This day only exists this day. And then, you know, eventually it's all going to be harvested and gone and it's all going to move on. I kind of became obsessed with this idea, like what's happening in this day, in this moment of life. Absolutely. Know? As opposed to, well, you know, where, who's that? Where are they going? What is, yeah. what do I need? What do I, what do I need to go next or whatever, you know? Or hawking wares for some company. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's a, there's like nothing to sell. <laughs> <laughs> right. But there's, that's where the beauty lies is. Sort yeah. Of like finding this, yeah, that's the one thing about, you know, especially the countryside in France and Italy that I notice immediately is like you're just, you get a mental break from the onslaught of advertising. Right, right. Yeah, in the States, it's just like, boom, all the time. In your all the time. Yeah. It's exhausting. And, you know, there's so many times where Kevin and I stand and we're looking out over a vista 
and it's so beautiful and it's so calm and it's just it's just agriculture really yeah and i always say if this were america this would be trashed in low dose and there's something that's just so peaceful to the soul just to be able to look out on just nature yeah and i think i don't you know it's i don't i don't want to like talk negative negatively about the american culture because there's a lot of beautiful things about it i mean the entrepreneurship is incredible in america yeah like, the opportunities people to do get anything, stuff yeah. done and like make things happen and it's just energy that's so incredible but i think there's a lot, a lot of destruction physically that affects us mentally yeah too that we're not really addressing um i noticed that your work got a bit more dark is not the right word like but more that sort of chiaroscuro totally and is that influenced by the area or anything you were looking at or just the nature of the light here? So the light that we're seeing here right now is like that the time of day where I would be shooting right now. And it's, it's a diffused light that plays really well with shadow. If you look at the um, lantern that's hanging out the light mm. right there, there's a, it has a deep shadow. So when I build these still lives, the whole concept for me for the still life is I want to direct your gaze at something natural that I found that's really beautiful that you might not take a moment to stop to look at. Yeah. If it's a rose growing in the garden or, you know, I saw the bumblebee in the peony, like whatever it is. And I just want to take your face and make you look at it because <laughs> it feels good. And right. you should look at this thing that I found or this fruit that I found or vegetable, whatever. And I found that when I started playing with the shadows and I use my body to cast the shadows, everything's very organic. and. So like my fingers will kind of play into the still life a little bit and I use my body to wrap around it. And I found that the deeper the shadow, the more that the kind of enveloped in its own world and became alive. Yeah. Like when I, in the post-production, when I looked at it and I didn't want it to just be a photograph. If you look at an Irving Penn, it's very graphic. Right. He was really, he was a graphic artist before he was a photographer. So everything's design. Yeah. Right. And for me, it's really kind of about these like fairy tale vignettes that aren't fantastical fantastical but are more about how wonderful our real life is that all these things that we really have around us that we're not looking at right. so i'm trying to make these little worlds come alive so you want to stop and you want to look at it yeah but it's just mushrooms from the grocery store you <laughs> <Right>. know <laughs> still <laughs> right so i found that the i found that making these little like envelopes of shadows helped them kind of sit in their own little mm. space right yeah we were talking a bit at lunch that you've only ever been drawn to using natural light. And I thought your theory on yeah. strobes was super interesting. Do you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, in, in New York, obviously there's, there's like no light for half of the year and you have clients and they want stuff shot and it's like shot lists are long. So you have to use strobes or continuous lighting in studios. And I always hated that because everything I do is very emotional and I like to have really emo an emotional connection with my subject. Even if I'm shooting a model wearing the fashion, yeah. like we're still telling a story or at least I communicate to her like, this is the character you're playing today. Right. This is who you are. It's not you the person, but you the idea. And I always found that with the strobe, it's just like, it's like a, you know, um, what do you call it when you, when you, when you, uh, like a sh when you, when the guys line up and you shoot them. Right, like a firing squad. Firing squad. Yeah. I always thought it was like a firing squad. And you're really cutting that emotional connection. It's just like, like I was saying, when, you, yeah. when you're dancing with somebody, if someone was snapping in front of your face, it's going to break that emotional connection. Like you could potentially fall in love with that person if you guys like exist floating in this moment uninterrupted. Right. But you have someone like pop, pop, pop. 
it's going to break that connection. And I always found out with, with the strobe, it was just this constant like mental jar. Yeah. And, and everything I do is so emotional that it was, it was like, it's just aggressive to me. So right. I never used strobe. I always fought it in New York, <laughs> but yeah, you have to do what you have to do to be a commercial photographer. Right. Uh, and then it was great when we did cinematographs because we're like, we have to use movie lighting because we need to roll video. And so that was a good excuse, but nothing needs natural light. Yeah. And so now it's like, I mean, like I dance with the light here. I think of it as dancing. And it's like this emotional relationship that I have with yeah. my work, with the light, with the camera. Yeah. and what's happening inside of me and it's not interrupted yeah you know? completely and that's also why like no one's allowed to walk into my studio when i'm working that's mm. an interruption it will actually like make me angry <laughs> because i'm like yeah, i'm yeah. in a, i'm like in a deep there's like a deep conversation that's happening in my head you know 100%. and if that gets interrupted it's just like oh man <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> we were really getting somewhere yeah. it's like jack nicholson in the shining like every time you interrupt me <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I relate to that for sure. Um, do, you, do you approach a project with an idea? Do you write about photo photography or what you're going to shoot beforehand? Some days, it's, it's, there's two things that happen. One is I'll get an idea and I can't let it go until I do it. I'm obsessed about it. And this can have, like, last for years until I do it. And it ha the moment, I don't force the moment. It has to present itself when it's right. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it'll be a few days. Sometimes it'll take a few days to create. Uh, and, but I just, it really like haunts me until I do it. And then there are the other times where I just am totally present in the day. I have no idea what's going to happen. I just walk outside and see what comes about. And it was just like the most fun exercise. Yeah. You know, it's just, you just, you're just so present in everything. <laughs> it's therapeutic. And then you find something that delights you and then boom, your day starts. Yeah. And then it's just this and then this and this. Or you listen to a conversation. It just makes you like hyper aware of everything. It's like you overhear a conversation. That it's like, oh, I got to make something about this. And then you start. And so that's really fun. And then I don't necessarily know where it's going to go sometimes. And sometimes I'll just put the elements of the day around me. And if I'm using myself or if I'm using making a still life, I'll just put those around me and I'll start building. Uh, I connect my camera to the iPad and I'll just start building it like mm. a painter painting a scene. Yeah. Like I'm going to put a tree here and I'm going to do butterfly here or I'm going to put myself here or how, whatever it is I'm creating. Yeah. And then I'll just, I'll know at a certain point I'll know like, no, this is, I, this is the story. Right. And I'll start editing things. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Mm. One of the things I admire as well is your self portraits and the vulnerability you approach them with, which must be, I would imagine a little scary to put yourself out there in that regard. What, what inspired you to? So the self-portraits, um, they started because I moved to a country where I didn't speak the language and I didn't know anybody. Mm. I never came to France and think, I'm going to make a bunch of pictures of myself. <laughs> and I don't even think of them as myself. Uh, it's, like, it's like a super, it's a super weird disconnect for me because I, I create and it's almost as if I observe myself as if I was like a therapist mm. or something. It's a really weird, like I, I separate. Yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and I listen to her story and I make something from her story. Does that make sense? Yeah, so 100%. if she's feeling, for example, uh, you know, I'm in my 30s and this is the time in your life when you have children and if I'm feeling the ideas of fertility and what that means, uh, and I want to create something about that. It's like, 
she listens. <laughs> One part of me listens to the other part of me talking about desire, uh, procreation, uh, feeling life inside of you, all this stuff. And, and, and it kind of tells her what to create to express that visually. Yeah. Right? So, so when I'm, I'm making something, it's like I'm telling a story of her. Her is me. I'm telling my story. Right. But it's like there's a, half of me as a storyteller of a witness of the other half of me. Amazing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sorry, it's like no, no, completely. a little bit strange. But it's so weird because I don't like being photographed. It's not about being photographed. It's right. about creating something. It's right. about telling a story. I love to tell stories. And sometimes I, I have an idea. I see something and, and it can be me. It can be somebody else's. It matters. Like I started because I didn't know anybody. So I just used myself. And then I started telling my own life story. And then I think we all have, we all see ourselves and, and have our own stories that are so intimate in us that we would never tell anybody else. So it's easy for you to tell your own story as opposed to if I tried to ask someone to tell my story. Even when I photograph other people, I'm always photographing my idea of you. Right. Not your idea of you. Completely, yeah. So the, but self-portraits are like honest, like my real idea of what I'm going through, what I'm feeling or what I want to express or, you know, it's like, I'm a super romantic person. I'm a super emotional person. I can't walk around the street like <laughs> falling in love with everybody and wearing like fairy tale dresses and crowns, but that's what I feel. Yeah. You know? And so if I can make photographs about how I feel, like it's like a release, you know? Absolutely. And I think a lot of other people feel that way too. And you just can't live your life that way, but you feel it, you know? Yeah. You want to run around barefoot in a chateau and like Make out with somebody, so I'm just going to make a picture about that <laughs> for <Right>. all of us. <laughs> no, that's a really interesting perspective of, you know, it's almost like an actor's approach in a, in a way. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. But of yourself, that's really, really cool. Yeah. 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 So it's, a, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I think the most significant was images, self-portraits I did when I was pregnant. And you can't, like, I was already, like, started down the self-portrait road and seeing where it was developing. It's, like, so fun because you're in your head when you're doing it mm -hmm. and you're storytelling yourself. Yeah. And as a visual photographer and, like, have, I came from a world of directing people for a decade. Like, uh, to direct yourself is a hell of a lot easier than to direct somebody else. Because oh, sometimes sure. you're trying to find the words. You're like, no, like, you're not doing it the way I want you to do it. Yeah. Well, you can make yourself do exactly what you want. So it's like, if I want to bend my hand a certain way or hold a flower a certain way, I waste no time in that communication. I just look at it and I do it. So I watch myself on a screen. And again, it's like dancing. And I just, I'm directing myself what I want. And it's just this really fun, it's super fun, expressive way. And it's just so much easier. Yeah. Than trying to make it someone do what you want. You totally. Know? Like, there's like so many times in my life where I'm like, no, point your toe like this. <laughs> I'm like, what? Is this what I'm doing in my life? Oh my right? God. <laughs> oh, that's really fascinating. I mm. love that though. I love that idea of directing yourself to express something. Yeah. 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 I, I would, I've never thought that way, but. But yeah, then it, that's I mean, super interesting. it gets like super into into just really just basics of art though. And if you're an if you're gonna draw something or paint something, right. there's you know, you make shapes with your body. That's what's so fun about it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I'm doing it with myself, it's it's I I'm the artist. You know, creating the shapes that I find most satisfying right. without a without a communication barrier. You know, it's like sometimes it's like a model's yeah. not giving you what they want. Right. You know, 
well, if you're your own model, and it's not, it's not that I'm saying like, I'm attracted, it doesn't matter. Anyone can pose. Like anyone can have a great photograph of themselves. They know if they learn how to pose and how do you learn how to pose? Like just look at how to like art, right. classic art yeah. and see what they did. You don't just sit there, like do something with your arms, right? Like Completely. bend, lay, do <laughs> so, you know, so it's just fun to, to take this, this, your body and turn it into shapes and take the environment around you and, and build a set that moves the eye around you know yeah. it's like a set with me in it is no different than a still life set it's shapes right tones textures light and shadow and that moves your eye around the frame it's the same thing yeah absolutely and it's so fun yeah <laughs> it looks like so fun. it's like good fun for sure i'm gonna have to try one uh are you are you a gear person do you have a mm -hmm. are you drawn to specific gear or just whatever just i hate technology i hate technical stuff i love film cameras but this is what I, I mean, as I spent the first, what, 15 years of my life on yeah. film cameras. And I love the process of film and the magic of it. It's like total magic. Oh, yeah. God. And Polaroids? Stop it. I can't. I can't. <laughs> like, I'm like such a whole project right now with Polaroids. So I needed like a break from this heavy, heavy digital. So everything I do in Provence is like everything's uh, compo multiple composites of right. what I do. And so it's just a lot of being on the computer and photo editing. And I hate seeing on the computer. And so I'm doing a book with coming out next year with Simon and Schuster, and it's I I pushed myself harder than anybody in the world. Yeah, <laughs> they they're like we're good, and I'm like no, <laughs> I'm just gonna do this and like dig my grave and throw myself in it, right? right? So I, I like I just went really really hard, and uh, I just needed a break from sitting at a computer and editing stuff, and so uh, I got out my old Polaroid camera and I started a new series with a, a local French girl that's an actress that I, I adore. Yeah, incredible. And I have no idea where it's going. I mean, I have an idea where it's going, but it's just it's just the magic of uh, photography when you shoot on Polaroid and film. So I, that I love. Uh, I'm not, like, I don't necessarily sit around and think about lenses and, like, I do, I just use what I use and yeah. I don't necessarily seek out anything greater than that. Right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very much a, like, I mean, people ask me, like, oh, I, I want to start photography. What camera should I get? Any camera. You can buy a plastic point-and-shoot throwaway camera. It doesn't matter. Right. It's just a camera. Any camera is fine. Yeah. Start with your iPhone. It doesn't matter. It's just do it, and then it will lead you to where you, you should be. Like, the reason I shoot with the Sony is because I want a travel camera to come to France that was small and light and easy to carry. And then I want to start doing self-portraits because I was here alone all the time. Right. <laughs> didn't know anybody, didn't speak language. And so it's like, oh, I, want to, I want to make something. I'm going to use myself. Uh, and that camera had the capability to, to uh, pull it up on remote control shoot on your iPhone. Yeah. So it started that whole process. So it's literally just a need that I was, I was addressing and answering to. I'm not super versed and I don't go, I don't go read camera magazine right <laughs> you know like i know i gotta hear about it and i'm like okay cool right i'm sure i may there might be like a dream camera out there i'm not aware of just because i'm i'm so adverse to but just kind of getting it. Down i don't business, i refuse yeah. to even update my laptop i hate updating anything i'm very old-fashioned no i'm just, i hate being on the computer with photography or filmmaking or anything it's like it's i love cool. editing like especially film but i hate being like physical it's it's like a computer yeah and then it pops up you need to update. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. leave me alone. Just when everything is set perfectly. Everything's going fine. <laughs> um, uh, do you have any philosophies on post-production? I know you have a somewhat elaborate post-production in terms of shooting plates and merging them together, but how about and actually like tweaking the image? Do you 
um, have a specific process or is it just kind of streamlined? So I shoot plates of everything that I do, including self-portraits. So when you see a self-portrait of me, actually it's probably made of five different shots of myself. Mm -hmm. So I take this hand, that arm, this dress, that hair, this face, and I compile it all together. Cause it, again, because it's not necessarily me physically, the person, but it's the story inside idea, of me yeah. that I'm trying to tell. And then it's the classical art forms that the visual part of me wants to try to create, right? So I do that with my still lives as well. Uh, there's, I'll add plates of water droplets. I always build out scenes left to right, all this stuff. So I shoot one photograph a day when I'm shooting, which is most days. When I'm, when I, I mean, I also do like snapshots and stuff on social media and stuff, which yeah. is just like a quick, a quicker edit. But when I'm doing like my, what I consider my work work, my body work, uh, I do one photograph a day and I'll take it in and I'll download it. And again, it's like 13 images or something. It's not that many. Yeah. And then I'll plate them together. And I, and I know it all. It's like almost, it's like designing the space in your mind and then, and then just constructing it. It's like already built. So you just have to put it together. Yeah. Like an architect with plans and yeah. a builder, Completely. right? So the architect's here and then I go upstairs and I build it. And uh, so it goes, it, I plate together first. I clean it up, whatever errors there are. Like with my wall, there's uh, pieces where the paint has fallen off. So I'll fix those places. And then I'll do classic corrections, contrast, color, uh, curves, saturation, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I'll do start uh, manipulating the color, the colors of the shadows, colors of the highlights, stuff like that. And then I'll do that probably three or four times. Uh, in layers over and over and over again until I go too far <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll pull it back a little bit and then I'll save that high res in the archive in the brain I call it the I call it the brain mm -hmm. which is the cloud the mega drive yeah, yeah. And, and then I'll send it to myself on my iPhone which is where all content is <laughs> devoured industry, yeah I know right it's everywhere so, such a tragedy if you have a website and it's like it's not good on mobile. You got to build it on mobile. Like this is where we are now, right? Yeah. So everything has to go on mobile. So then I bring it to my phone and then I usually do one more filtration through Visco, mm. through Visco on the phone before I post on Instagram. Yeah. And that's it. Do you, do you have a go-to or is that a secret? It's, it depends. I love M6. Mm. I love A6. Uh, I don't, I don't have the patience <laughs> to go through that many. I just kind of like... Yeah, there's a lot. It's like, yeah, there's a lot. I have like a few favorites and that's it. Uh, and, I, and I dial them back. I don't yeah. do full, I dial them back. And then I found Instagram and I do like gingham. I like, I like 30% on everything. Uh -huh. <laughs> that's what I like. I know, but you know when you print stuff, this is something I learned from my printer because I started doing... Uh, last year I did my first little exhibition in Provence. Yeah. And so I started working the printer and I never like had printed fine art work before, which is a totally different process. Yeah. And so, you know, you go waves and waves. By the way, this guy's like printer is like in, is in a town called Cucuron, <laughs> which is if you've seen the movie A, uh, a Good Year. Oh, yes. With Russell Crowe. Uh, the village in which they have their date with the sparkling lights and the movie playing and the oh, yeah. fountain, that's where he is. Oh, my gosh. And I think about that movie. <laughs> Every time I go there, it's so charming. And he's like places in this like cove like room. And oh it's God. just, you know, it's just incredible. So, uh, we go through rounds and rounds of printing and he manipulates the files after I give them to him and he knows to match them on how they look on Instagram on a screen to how they print. Right. That's a whole which, art. Is, which is actually two very different things totally. to do. And so he takes all the files and then we go through rounds and rounds of printing until it come, it really things just come to life. Yeah. 
like when I build them, they come to life on the screen in front of me or in the camera. And then when I edit them, there's another wave in which I feel it come to life and I stop. And then when he prints them, we do that until it literally, it, when things just feel like you can let them go and they'll breathe, yeah. that's when you know you're there. Yeah. And that's, it happens, those are the three like waves in which that happens. Oh, incredible. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things I really love about your photographs specifically is there's a richness to them, like almost like a velvety painterly quality without the like oversaturation that so many people use, <laughs> honestly. I also think that there's something that's like very, like it's all the organicness, like look at this room, look right. how warm and organic and textual and real and soft it all is. Yeah. It is, I, it's like always hard for me to convey to people is like, I am my work, my work is my life. It's not constructed, like I didn't, it, there's no plan, archetype plan to the look and feel of everything. It looks and feels that way because it is that way, right. right? Like that's one of the reasons I love this room so much is like I feel like I am this room, and what I create is part of this space. Right, it's, it's part of me. It's work. all. It's like it's like a cocktail. Yeah, it's like yeah, I love that. Shake it up. The Provence Negroni, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Completely. So one of the last things I'd just love to ask you is just obviously during COVID, everything shut down, but it seems like a, a whole new phase of your work and life has sort of blossomed out of it. Yeah, so that was that. So I'm not adverse to challenge. <laughs> I thrive, I think. I thrive <laughs> I think so. in challenge. <laughs> so I like being afraid. So when I look, I make my money as a commercial photographer or made my money as a commercial photographer. And the reason I can I, just to like clarify, how can you live in France? How can you afford to do that? Well, I had a spent a decade building commercial clients in New York City. So when I moved to France, I had less work, but I had enough work to, I would fly around the world and do commercial shoots. And right. it would afford me to be able to stay here. So that's how I afforded to come here and stay here for as long as I did. When, and also you don't have to have as much money right. to live in France than in a New York or LA, yeah, obviously. Yeah, 100%. That's <laughs> right. Uh, so, uh, when COVID happened, I had literally my year's salary in like two shoots on the table that I was working on. I had been working on for months, commercial mm -hmm. shoots mm -hmm. in the States. Gone. Woke up and it was just like email, email, email. All gone. So I had no idea how I was going to make money. Oh. Uh, and you also cannot live in a foreign country if you don't have money either. Right, right. <laughs> you have to have some income and like pay taxes to some country, right? Right. So uh, that was a bit scary. And then we went into lockdown and we knew if we left France, we wouldn't be able to get back into France right. because you have to renew your visa here, all this stuff. So we were like, oh my God. And you know, Kevin was doing some design work for uh, a place in Singapore and they were like, we have to put everything on hold while this is going on and stuff. So we were like, what are we gonna do? And I didn't necessarily know, but I said, you know, I wanna, I wanna take control. I don't like this feeling. So I'm going to do something that I know I can do, which I'm going to create something every single day. Right. And I'm going to call it isolation creation. And Kevin goes, can you start on Monday? And I said, no, I'm starting today. Amazing. <laughs> so like, I came downstairs and I started and it was, the first one was 60 days in a row. And it was terrifying because that's emotionally, physically, mentally exhausting. We had yeah. a, uh, a one-year-old baby right. <laughs> that we had to take care of and an inefficient apartment situation without childcare. 
we had no idea what was going to happen. Like, this is when we didn't know anything about COVID either. Like, right. were we going to run out of food? Were we all going to die? Like, nobody knew. Yeah. The only thing I knew is that I could come here and I could make a photograph. And I could try to, like, be present in the experience and try to combine what was happening in the world and making something beautiful about it and sharing it, uh, the experience about it, right? So I did that. And then I had a friend who I'm actually wearing a suit by her right mm. now, Bahita Dalak in Hudson, New York, who's this incredible woman. And she was like, you know, you have some fine art prints, you should sell them on Instagram. And I was like, uh, it's just, I didn't, I had never researched that kind of part of the industry. It's like, I'm a commercial photographer. Like, uh, I don't know, I don't feel comfortable. She's like, no, you need to do it. And she encouraged me to do it. And she like shared some of her, cause she's a painter also, not just a fashion designer. Mm. And so she shared some of her experience selling some of her fine art paintings. And I was like, okay. Okay, so so I, I did it, and I, I mean, I sold them like Im- immediately, everything I had here. Wow. So it was enough money to Incredible. like keep going, right? Yeah. And so then we're like, you know, why don't we, why don't we sell what I'm making every day and like make a post? Because I love posters. Yeah. So there was a restaurant in New York when we lived there, Bloggings in Tribeca. It was a German restaurant, and it was basically plastered completely with old art posters. You know, oh, that's fun, yeah. You know, a Matisse, a Monet, whatever, and then Picasso, whatever. It's just classic 90s art posters. Right. <laughs> everywhere. And film and film and stuff like that. And I loved it. And it was so cool. And I would just love to go eat there and just kind of want my eyes, just kind of wander around, think about this. So I was like, yeah, I love posters. Why don't we make an art poster? Because then I'm not selling like fine art. So I don't have to like worry about the printing quality. Like it can just be like this thing right. that comes and goes and is like a moment in time yeah. and I can let it go because I get really precious about stuff. And so like Kevin, because he comes from a web design background, he was able to build the site and we like did all this and we like launched this in the middle of COVID <laughs> and people bought the posters and we were like, wow, people bought the posters. That's incredible. And so then it just kind of like started happening, making this like really amazing, engaging experience, you know, telling the everyday stories of our lives. Yeah. And, People were like tuning into it and this whole community got built and people started like joining me, like painting things and building things and making pottery. And like, so it's this incredible art community happened and uh, it changed, it definitely, it changed my life and the course of my life and what I'm doing because it, it pushed me off of a, an alleged that I was too afraid to even look over, which is, could I make it as an art photographer? Because all you hear is like starving artists. And I'm like, I don't really want to be a starving artist. We're dealing with the gallery nonsense. Yeah, I don't want to deal with gallery nonsense, no. So I was like, this is, this is like a dream. This is literally a dream to, to go into a place and pour your heart out into something and then have that be your job to like observe life and create something and tell stories. And right. Like that's it. You don't have to sell anything, you know, no, there's no product in it, you know? So it was in this incredible experience and it, we started this other leg of our business with it. And now I'm like, I don't want to go back to commercial work. Like this is, this is incredible. Right. So we started like, well, what can we do with this? You know, and like we, so we made a calendar and that sold out. And I was like, people wanted our calendar. <laughs> and it's all like so silly and so quaint and, but it's like incredibly wonderful. And, yeah. and uh, it's, it's, it's like this fun new challenge for me to think about like, what, like, what's the story I can tell in 12 months? Anyways, it goes on and on and on. So we did calendars, we did stationery. And then I did a solo exhibition last 
fall. Right. And that, the, those were fine art prints, right? Those are fine art prints. Yeah. And, and very, I went, very limited edition, I think. They're 101s. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, so I was like, you know, if I'm going to sell, so I've sold some, I've sold some, a few small editions. And I was like, you know, if I'm going to sell prints, I really want it to be like a painting. Well, that's all you have. I also have this fantasy at the end of my life where I'm just going to like, burn or dump or destroy or beat or throw off a clip. I don't know, something environmentally friendly, destroy my digital archive. Right. So if you have one of my master, I call it, we call it master. Mm. If you have one of my masterworks, you had it. You're the only one who has it. It's all, everything else is gone unless it's in a book or something. Right. So that's kind of like my fantasy. And uh, like, oh, I just want to do like a painting where if you have it, like you're the only one who has it. That's it. I love that. Idea. Yeah. And all the frames are handmade by this place in France. Uh, they, they're I've been gorgeous. around since the like 1880s yeah. and they're all done by hand and I mean they literally you go to their studio and like, they have the logs of wood that they carve in the warehouse wow. it's just amazing you if you go to an art museum any art museum in the world they have their frames are in there around masterpieces wow. and when I was at their studio it's like oh here's a Chagall and here's a Monet we're doing and they're like doing a, a Klimt and they're hand painting the gold on the frame and I'm just like oh my this is insane. God, I so, love that. And I'm like, will you like, frame my photographs? <laughs> yeah. Just like a special one off. I think that's Well, so I just wanted incredible. all of it to be made in France. hundred percent made in France. And yeah. I want everything to be touched by hands. Yeah. Because everything I do, like, hands are so important to me. Hands are so important to French culture. Like you touch everything. Like the guy who serves you cheese, he picks it up with his hand, <laughs> he gives you the cheese, he takes your money. Right. That's it. If you go to the butcher. Here's your chicken. Let me cut your steak. And there's no gloves. Right. There's no delicacy about any of it. And I love it. It's just so real. And it's like so fine. You know, we live in this world of like fear. Like, not to be so afraid. Look. Yeah. Like, I looked over five years. I've never gotten sick. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I survived a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so I have and just like everything I do is with my hands. And I love working with my hands. So um, I wanted the masterworks to be all done by hand. Just there's, I didn't, you know, remove any sort of automation yeah. from it. So that was kind of the concept. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Incredible. And shipping then, shipping fine art though is like a whole new part of the business right? that is like, <laughs> oh my God, gun to my head. <laughs> yes, I can only imagine. <laughs> I'm about to sort of dive into that world a bit. But I mean, yeah. I got to a certain point where I'm like, can we just drive to Switzerland and like hand deliver this piece? Yeah. It's way easier than shipping it. Completely. Yeah. Get a photo project out of it. Right, right. <laughs> and then you've got a, a book in the works and is it sort of like Photo book memoir. Yes. So written and photographs. Words and photographs. Words and all. Oh, it's a it's a battle at the moment. <laughs> how many words and how many photographs? <laughs> I'm for the photographs. <laughs> <laughs> Less words, more photos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, I can't wait we'll to see, see that. How we'll big see. is it going to be, Dina? Are you allowed to say? It's going to be big. Well, not size wise, because you're going to have to hold it to read it. Yeah. But it's a uh, it's a lot of pages. Incredible. I mean, basically, though, every time I email, I'm like, can we make the book bigger? Can we add more pages? And I was like, no, stop. Like, <laughs> this is big. Right. Leave it alone. I'm like, just a few more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, I cannot wait to see that yeah. for sure. Yeah, um, it's exciting. It's. I mean, that's a whole other thing that, that happened uh, post, you know, I mean, it's a, you know, you start your life out and you just take one step at a time. Right. And, and then, you know, I was a commercial photographer. I, I was nothing. I was a photographer, I was assistant, I worked in a magazine, I became a, a free photographer for a long time, and then I became a commercial photographer, and then I became an art photographer, and then I have a book, and like that's a whole other experience. Like, yeah. write, write, I don't remember what it was, it was like 40,000 words or something, it's like, 
I'm not a writer. <laughs> right. I like, they're like, you're a good writer. I'm like, on Instagram? <laughs> like, I'm in the shower writing a caption. That's different from writing a fucking book. What are right. you talking about? So, Although I always admire your captions, honestly. They are like little, like, snapshots. That... Uh, you know, I go with the captions. They're painful. Like, I, I literally <laughs> have, like, a pit in my stomach when I write it, and it's just like, <gasps> like, trying to get the words out. And yeah. then when it, it's like a release when it happens, but it's not easy. It's not without effort. Right. There's a I lot not of saying effort. It. <laughs> like, I turn all the music off. There has to be silence, <laughs> and I have to really focus. So to do the book was a bit, I have PTSD from writing it right now because it's just like, whoa, it was a lot. But I'm like, I'm not a writer. But you know, it was scary. So I'm like, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's see it. And I have no idea what's going to happen now. And I, every day I open my email, I'm like, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Am I fired? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I bet it'll be incredible. It's a fun adventure. Yeah. And uh, what do you think about next project-wise? Or just sort of taking it back to day by day? Well, it's, we're really interested in, in, make, in creating like new products with photography, you mm -hmm. know? So like we're going to make a, some paperweights that we call Drops of Provence, which is kind of like looking into a crystal ball oh, of Provence. Fun. It's like fun. So I, I like these ideas of how to apply beyond just like a paper print. Yeah. Like how like, ob, like object, like you can see like my mantle is full of little objects, you know? It's just yeah. like what are these little like artifacts that we can create that are interesting, that give a feeling of a place and bring this place to life. I love telling the story of Provence. So that's that's really interesting to me. And I'm, I'm starting... Now, a lot of what I came to Provence to do was I don't know sort of redefine myself and my life and what what this whole ride is about that we're on right yeah. and you know I answer that question I asked myself in New York like is this it I kind of set out to find out what is this yeah right and so I've been on that journey for five years and I and I hope that the book answers that question I've I've answered it for myself you mm -hmm. know so now I'm kind of turning the camera around a new angles and using a different camera, like I was saying with the Polaroid camera, yeah. and try to explore other ideas, you know, try maybe to explore outside my own mind and other people's minds. Mm -hmm. You know, I've started talking to poets and like just entering a, a new unknown territory, yeah. you know, and I'll continue to do my work here because it, it brings, you know, when I'm a day when I make a photograph is always the best day. Yeah. So, you know, and also I have a daughter, Eloise, and eventually one day I, I think it could be interesting if she's open to it to start telling stories together. And I don't know if they're going to be made up. I don't know if they're going to be biographical. Yeah. I don't. I don't really know. I, I she. You know, when you work with somebody, which would be a diff, another different experience. Completely. Um, you both have to. You both have to come together, and there's always a blending. Yeah. Right. Like I can't tell her story. Only she can tell her story. Right. Only I can tell my story. But we can come together and we can make something together. And what would that be like when it's your own child? And I even think of Sally Mann, who's yeah. Like oh, yeah, an incredible artist at doing that. And uh, so maybe there's going to be an era of my work that's like that. I don't know. It's always waking up every day and being really present and always continuing to challenge yourself. Yeah. And, also, and also not to challenge yourself not to go up, up, up and want more and more and more. Bigger, better. I mean, look at the space. This is like a 400 square foot apartment I lived here for three years right I would still live here if I didn't have a baby right I only moved because I need to more literally she needed her own room it's not about wanting more it's about growing right it's the internal stuff that you can't see like are you asking the right questions are you interested are you are you there you know yeah like what like what is what is this that we're doing it's funny one of my mentors um his name's Carl Ganas amazing uh painter artist or he's a master teacher at Disney actually is oh. uh, episode number five of the podcast I, I think um, I listened to that one didn't he do a bunch of um, drawing uh, like kind of 
amazing drawings. Yeah, right? like, he's kind in, of classical. I mean, yeah, his actual like teaching lineage can be traced back to Michelangelo. That that yeah. I, I sat right here <laughs> just like this, and I listened to that podcast. Oh, amazing! Yeah, yeah, yeah. But his whole thing is like, are you asking the right questions? Yeah, yeah. Like when you sit down to a piece of paper, are you asking the right question? Right. Same with a photograph or you know anything. Yeah. So that's that's it. I think you have to wake up every day and continue to. You know, I actually the conversation I was having yesterday dinner with somebody who's retired from being a lawyer mm -hmm. for mm. decades in DC. Then I said, "Well, are you a lawyer, or who are you? Because now you're not a lawyer anymore." And he's like, "You know, I don't even know." And I just and I was like, "You know, that's like, it's just so different from who I am because I live, I wake up every day, and I and I just." I am me and my work is me and I can't, I can't retire from this. Right. I can't step out of, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like there's no retirement for me. And so it's just this very interesting, uh, it's just, I just feel like you should, all, every day you should be waking up and, and, and challenging yourself. Yeah. Not just following the written path. And he, and he, and he talked about, he's like, I really regretted. He's like, there was a moment when I knew I should have stopped and I didn't. He's mm. like, I just didn't want to be poor. Wow. Yeah, because you grew up poor, and he's like, I yeah. didn't want to be that. So I just stayed the course for wow. decades. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and he's not happy about it. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, I'd rather live poor and, and feel the way I feel than uh, just do what I'm told. 100%, yeah. It's very admirable, for sure. Mm. Yeah, people should definitely be less afraid to do that. Yeah. And people will call you crazy, but like, just block them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Well, your story and to just see your work is incredibly inspirational. So, yeah, I'm just thrilled that we get to finally sit down. Yeah, we met on Instagram, which is also super bizarre when you think about it, I guess. I've met the best people on Instagram. Not. Maybe it's not bizarre, but it just is in the communication of our time. But, it is yeah. true. It's a really powerful, beautiful tool. I think it's incredible. And I think it's very democratic because you can literally follow who you want to follow, like what you want to like. Like attracts like. We all find each other. Yeah. So much easier than like, a few editors telling you what is available. No, like there's a whole world out there available. Like whatever you're into is so easy for you to find it for yourself now yeah. and to connect with those people, those places, those, that food, like whatever it is. Completely. I think it's just wonderful. Yeah. It gives not. it gives the power to the individual. Yeah. It's up to you how you want to use it or create with it or grow with it yeah. or turn it off and delete it. Right. It's up to you. <laughs> Completely. Do you feel like a, an inside pressure to keep up with? Stuff like Instagram, or do you just do, do you enjoy it? I'm supposed to be pressured into TikTok right now. <laughs> and well, that, I guess that's the other question I was going to ask you. Have you ever been interested in sort of the motion side of image making, or like doing film or short films? I know. Kevin yeah, I would love shoots. to do. So, I, so I was before the pandemic. I was writing a screenplay oh, with amazing. a writer. Uh, a love story. It's a true love story. I nice. love a love story. And I was like, this is a fun challenge. Like I've never written a screenplay and he'd written a few. So I was like, let's just see how this goes. It's super hard, super yeah. fun. And because I'm very visual. So he's just like, watch the movie, then write, then like write, write, literally like write it really clearly what you're seeing, like how the camera moves and all this stuff. Right. So it's like really fun. But then the pandemic happened and it's just, I haven't been able to revisit that. So I would love to sh write and shoot movies one day. Yeah. Like right now my cooktop is full right. of, you know, the <laughs> totally. book, the baby, the projects, the work I'm into here. Yeah, I mean, everything's going right now. And it's like everything happens when it's supposed to happen. And I really, I just, I just, I think it'd be amazing 
to move into motion one day. Yeah. When it'll, everything happens when it's supposed to. Yeah. So I have faith in that. But I've, I've always, always, I've always loved like the little vignettes you've done in the past, especially like in Paris, like you were shooting these yes. little noir things that I thought were just really cool. My little cool. film noir is a 24 hour day yeah, in film I noir. I love those. It's I just love like those a snapshot too. of a this, day. See, I mean, that's pre-baby life. <laughs> I love, I would do that kind of stuff all the time, but I only have so many hours right now. Yeah, I'm like, trying to get better myself at just shoot, so shooting fun. just snapshots of my day for like, I lived in New York for 14 years and there's only like a, a very finite pocket of time, maybe nine months where I actually shot anything. Shot in New York. I'm like, why didn't I? Yeah, so because you have to survive New York, right? That's the thing. <laughs> that is you got to be somewhere where you don't have to like kill yourself to survive. So then you can have yeah. freedom to play yeah. and create completely. Yeah, I always think about Sai Tumli, right? He like yeah. made these uh, masterworks that are in museums out in his barn in Virginia, West Virginia or Virginia, something like that. And he was laughing, Sally Mann, saying, oh, "The moment's coming to pick up the pieces." And these guys show up in like white gloves, and he's like. Like, you know, he's like, there's like stains and food and shit everywhere. And he's like, look at them go. And they <laughs> treat these things so precious. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's, I don't know, funny. Yeah, I, I love the idea of what you did with the poster and then the masterwork. Because I think too many photographers get too precious about their prints and like limited edition this and that. And it becomes, I don't know, it kind of takes the joy out of it a little bit maybe. It takes the joy out of it, yeah. And I don't want to, yeah, it does. And I don't, it's stressful. When we try to make something precious mm -hmm. and it's just not fun and also it's unattainable like only so many people can afford that and yeah. that's not fun for people who want to follow along on the journey and who feel because we yeah. all feel the same it doesn't matter how much money you have we all experience life the same emotions right so you know i, I will if you know if peonies were your favorite flower well you should be able to have that yeah you shouldn't have to have nine thousand dollars or whatever it was right. i sold it for <laughs> to be able to have peonies you know but that's also incredible to have i love the idea of a one-off object like that yeah in, a, in an increasingly digital world especially like the weird nft stuff which i don't understand yet but i know well that's another frontier of photography i'm sure oh god but we don't i go into everything that. kicking and screaming <laughs> yeah and probably too late but whatever it's fine <laughs> well I know you have to get on so i just want to thank you so so much for uh this is such a one, an amazing day in provence and uh yeah, sharing some champagne and conversation about photography, which is the whole reason I started the podcast in the first place. See so. what happens now? You're gonna move here, and then we'll all just yeah, right. This is what we'll do. <laughs> I know, driving through the center of town. It gets like, into oh, your Lord. soul. <laughs> yeah, it, gosh, it sure does. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, cool. thank you, Jamie. My pleasure.